everybody. Welcome to another exciting week here at Megasheen. I'm Victor. And I'm Nick. And I'm Joy. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have a very special guest with us today. She is, oh God, you do a lot. You're a film critic. You're basically, you are running these movie streets. You're a brand marketer. You're a contributor for uh, The Hollywood Reporter. You've been seen in The Bustle, Polygon, NBC Black. Uh, yes, we have Joy Childs here. Hi, guys. Well, first of all, I do do a lot. Some might even say I do the most, and I would agree with them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so happy. I, I'm a big fan of Megasheen, so I am very honored to be invited to, to chat with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. We are a big fan of yours, and it is our honor for you to join us on this show today. So before we get into um, our Aunt Mace tea, let's catch up. What has everybody been listening to, reading, watching, staying out of trouble? You know, Victor, I'll start with you. What you been up to? Well, I've been getting ready for Comic-Con because that's literally this week. So, um, you know, just getting ready for that. I've I'm pretty much packed, um, so that part is done. And just getting ready for that, um, you know, getting ready for, I don't know. You know, I don't know what to expect at Comic-Con, to be honest with you, but you know, I'm just getting ready for that and just enjoying the long weekends. And I got a raise, which I was very excited about, even though I'm gonna get one. But Come yeah. on, new money. Come on, hot girl shit. I'm all about it, yes. <laughs> A bag? We love it. Right. Yeah, uh, my boss came in with a, you know, a little letter. I was like, that could be anything. And then I looked at it, and I was like, what? I was like, I thought I wouldn't give me one. It's only been for seven months. He was like, that's what you thought. <laughs> that's how she said it. And I was like, well, that's good. So I was very happy to see that because I was just, and I wasn't bragging about it, but it hit me that I was like, what I, what I used to make in my old job for an entire month, I now make every two weeks. So it was like, whoa, this is, it's changed a little bit of things. So that's why okay. I, I can't wait to, you know, really, you know, do a little bit more traveling and enjoy myself. So that's, that's pretty much me. Way up to. Oh my God. I, I feel like I'm not doing as, <laughs> more money is always a great thing. So congrats, Nick. That's awesome. Um, uh, I am. Um, interviewing for an internal promotion at my job. I am also interviewing for an external promotion because I don't care where the bag comes as long as it comes. Um, and uh, yeah, I have been writing more. Uh, I think last time, a recent development this year is that I'm, I'm, I'm in a film critics association now. So I'm in the New York Online Film Critics Association, which yay. The bad side is I have to write more to keep my membership. So I was like, let me not get kicked out on my first year. So I've been writing a lot more reviews. Uh, so a lot of, lot more film screenings after work and, um, a lot more, uh, writing and keeping myself accountable and actually keeping up with deadlines, which I suck at. So. That's nice. I mean, you know, making that better, that better cheddar. Yeah. Very, very, very true. I, I, that is, I would like that. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I know I haven't been up to a motherfucking thing. I'm gonna be honest. Um, I've been, I started, uh, Chernobyl and oh my God, these dumbasses here. Oh, just touching the nuclear core with the bare hands. 
doing the absolute most with the very least. After I told your dumb ass, don't touch people. You want to go give folks hugs, kissing, so asking if you are you pregnant. You gonna lie to me and say you not really are. I'm like, oh my god, these people. It is. It's a limited series. It's only like five episodes on HBO, but I highly recommend it because this shit is some bull. Yeah, I, I watched it. I didn't watch it um, because um, the guy who wrote it is um, is in one of my my favorite podcasts, so that's ours. And so um, it's Craig Mazin, and I was like, okay, this is. It was just like eerie and like. Ugh. Like, it was like, oh, my goodness. I didn't know it happened, like, recently. I thought it happened, like, in the 70s. I don't know why I thought it happened, like... Girl! No, it happened in 1986. I know. I was like, oh, <laughs> that happened, like, I was alive. So I was like, wow. Well, I was like, okay. But, yeah, it was a pretty good... I liked the way it went. The ending was, you know, was really good. The, kind of the wrap-up of what happened now with some of them still alive and some of them dying slowly basically it's really interesting and then it was funny because on other hbo channels they was playing like the chernobyl diaries which is a horror movie but it, it was like playing all these other things i was like okay we didn't need to do that but besides that it was pretty good yeah um to see how some of those guys that were first on the scene just withered away they look like zombies from the walking dead like how that radiation poisoning just oh and they were um oh it was just yeah some of the um the special effects was really good i also watched i finally watched uh spider-man into the spideyverse oh my god isn't it so fantastic it is one of the best movies i've seen in like the past 10 or 15 years Oh, it's just so, it's very lush. I just, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's, it is, it is an entire experience from the music to the animation, the story, the voice acting, just all stellar. It was so good. Oh my gosh, it was so good. Um, and if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. Go run, don't walk to go see it. Um, other than that, I don't think anything else is going on. Child, you know I'm still trying to find a job. Well, trying to find a better job. I'll say that. Because... Hey, I'm I'm gonna point the, put this out there. So July is my birthday month, and I am a firm believer of July being a, a month of magic. So Vic already got his his little promotion in the month of July. Just putting it out there. So I am putting that positive juju on you. To Give get... me it all. <laughs> so like, let's push the July energy onto you, so that you can get a better job. Yeah. Please, Lord, please. But yeah, that's all I'm going through, you know. Yep. Try not to die from this damn heat. Oh, she's got to quit. Yeah, it's bad. I saw a meme that said, Lord, whatever you baking outside, it's done. It's like, (laughs) that is so true because it has been 90 and humid, like, I don't, for like two or three weeks straight. Yeah, it's been hot here too. It's like now every time I'm going, if I go to any Target or whatever, I'm trying to park in underground parking. So when I get into the car, it's not burning up. So yeah, it's been hot a lot here too. Yeah. So I guess we should go ahead on and get into Aunt Mace T. All right.
So what do we have on the tea tray for today? Well, there's a couple of things, but you know, I, I think we just need to go ahead and just dive in and talk about what everybody's been talking about this week, um, which is Pose. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. Let's just start with that one. Um, because, you know, this is the second season of Pose, and I think we're on the fourth episode. Yeah. It has been very interesting because we've been going deeper into the lives of our favorite characters, but in this episode, um, we lost one. You know, that's a spoiler alert. Um, actually, we kind of spoiled it. Everybody, everybody spoiled it on that night, but basically, we lost Candy. Candy was um, murdered um, in this episode, and we did not see that murder, but we did see the body. I think that had a bigger effect. Um, for me, when I was like, I didn't even want to, I just, I just didn't want to see that. Um, but um, we lost Candy. Candy was murdered in a hotel room. Um, she was to make ends meet because they had a very posh place. Um, she took an extra job of, you know, going out and um, being kind of being a prostitute and. It just, yeah, she was turning tricks, basically. Well, I was, I'm trying to make it sound. <laughs> And it did not end well. And so in that episode, we got to, um, we saw what happened and we also saw the funeral, but it was a very nice um, ending. Whereas, you know, as we imagine, you know, her heaven, what that would be like. So, I mean, what do y'all think when y'all saw it? Okay, so I'm gonna put my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this in a, like on a critic lens, but then I'm also going to put it in just like a personal lens and emotional lens, if you guys don't mind. No, go ahead. So, uh, I, I would say one, I do think that some of, one thing that Pose does well is there's a lot of fantastical elements to it, which makes, you know, sense because the performance of the ballroom, and I say this is a very cis, cisgender heterosexual woman, it's all about stunts and shows, right? Like, and that is the beauty of it's the the theatrics. And so, Pose historically in their show doesn't shy from the theatrics. So I wasn't surprised that they were going to have uh, a fantastical element to her death, kind of having her ghost make peace with a lot of these characters. Mm -hmm. That being said, sometimes it felt a little disjointed when watching it, um, in a way that was it, it tied it up neatly into a bow. Which, on an emotional standpoint, for me, like I don't mind having that. Um, but is it necessarily realistic to the character? Probably not. Um, I did feel a way about Praytel speaking at her funeral because I was like, "You were talking trash about her literally earlier on this episode in this whole season." But that's neither right. here nor there. But like, I can also recognize that uh, something that was said either prior in that episode or the episode before is that like, you know, this is a family. They drag each other through the mud all the time, but when it's time, you know, for us to get in formation and get it together and really be there for each other, you know, these are our sisters. Mm -hmm. So I, I it, it, based on that, it makes sense. But I did think that some of the fantastical elements was a little disjointed. Um, I did feel like her, her appearance of her parents was not as fleshed out as I'd like it to be. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to explore a little bit more, more of that. Um, and I honestly, since you know, Pose has never shied from making episodes longer than what they need to be or that there usually are i honestly wouldn't have mind this episode being a little bit longer to get that exploration now that right. being said so like taking off my critic hat now that being said um i think that angelica ross is was fantastic as candy what i am happy about is that 
this is not a situation where we're losing a prominent trans uh, actress and she goes off and doesn't have a career. She's immediately signed on as a re regular for the next uh, American Horror Story. So I do think that it helps mm -hmm. soften the blow for me personally. Um, and from my understanding how they've been announcing it, she is the first trans actress to do so, of uh, having two series regular roles, which how fucking sad is that? You, you know, there's so many limits and limitations. But meanwhile, we got people who are saying that they want to, you know, act as trees and shit. And Shorty only had two roles and it's historic, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and so, you know, on that end, if it was just like she's securing a bag elsewhere, I get it. Um, it was hard for me to watch. Uh, seeing her body bloodied, it was very American Horror Story-esque in the shot of that. Um, mm -hmm. uh, which kind of makes sense because Brian Murphy uh, directed this episode, I believe. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, like, I, 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 I think that there were some pluses and some minuses. I think it is, there's been some discourse about the colorism of Pose and how we only have two, you know, dark-skinned trans actresses. We just lost one. Mind you, she's getting a bigger bag elsewhere, so I'm not mad at it. But, you know, that is very present and prevalent. So, you know, take it or leave it. But overall, I think for a character as annoying but as bright as Candy, I think it, it was a proper send-off. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I was in, I was crying. I was ugly crying the entire episode. And, like, the next day, I was still in my feelings. Like, uh, me and my sister were talking. Like, we cried ourselves to sleep after the episode. Um, I thought, well, I feel like this should be an, an Emmy nod for Angelica Ross because she acted her too. ass off either for her or the episode itself or hopefully both. Um, people were saying that this was a, um, this was supposed to be Venus extravaganza's kind of retelling of her death if you uh, are familiar with paris is burning the the white uh, trans woman that was in there it was supposed to be her story but i don't think that's exactly true but i haven't gotten any com confirmation uh about that i think the the ending with uh Candy finally getting her lip sync and finally getting the recognition was so beautiful to me. And I didn't think that that Stephanie Mills song could have me crying like that. Cause I always, I always associated that song with, you know, romantic love. I didn't associate it with, you know, friendship love or, you know, any kind of love, any kind of other love I'll say. I just thought the episode was very moving. Um, and I hate that it took this us losing this character to highlight what's going on as far as tra black trans women getting murdered. Yeah. Um, a lot of it was just tough to watch, especially when uh, Candy was talking to her father or her mother and her father. And that just, that made me think of, you know, my relationship with my mom and the relationship I don't have with my father and yada, yada, yada. Um, it was, I thought it was very, a very good episode. Yeah. And 
I can't listen to that Stephanie Mills song without bursting into tears now. She was lip syncing for her life. It was fantastic. I just so beautiful. It's and very well shot too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, oh, go ahead, Nick. I, I'm just you go ahead, go ahead. I'm trying to get like my thoughts together because it just it just brings up some kind of emotion as far as how you want to be remembered, will you be remembered, and what people will say when you're not there. You know what I mean? It, it just made me think of that. And I guess that's why I got so emotional because there have been times, especially when um, when I'm talking to my therapist about how I want to be remembered or even if I will be remembered, you know, so. Yeah, that's what I got. You know, that that's what I got when I was watching it was like, because I know in, in the early part of the episode, Candy talked about, you know, being remembered, being someone, being these things, and she is somewhat, somebody. And it, it was like, it, it, it was interesting because it kind of hit me as like, that is what we all go through, especially for those of us who are black and queer and trans. It is, we want to be remembered. We want to be respected. That's all we really want in the end of it all. And that episode just hit me different ways because yeah, pray tell, like I was saying, pray tell has been on one since this entire season started. And I just felt like, it was interesting just to see like, okay, now you under, you need to, I hope Praytel understands like his words has meaning, um, when it, especially when it comes to these, to the girls and, and what's going on with them in their lives. And it's not just about what he's going through, it's what they all are going through. And hopefully he understands that he's a part of this family. But it was really hard to, I, I kept going back and forth like, well, I don't feel like we needed to lose Candy to tell the story. Um, I think we could have, they could have been done in a different way, um, but we didn't have to lose Candy to tell the story. But I get they want that impact of that. And I and I appreciate the fact that people afterwards, all, what I was seeing on social media was really realizing like, yes, black trans women are dying and they're dying, you know, at higher rates than, than trans women in general. And it's just like, you just have to really wrap your mind around that because it's almost every other week we, we see something on, you know, on the news about this. So, and this has been going on so much. And then it made me think about Venus because I remember going back and just seeing like, you know, how, you know, remember what Venus was saying? Venus was saying some of the similar things like how she wanted a house, she wanted to be married, she wanted to be just known and respected and all these things. And then that happened. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a lot. And so I, I, I do appreciate this episode. I wish they could have, I agree with Joy, go more into certain pieces because the thing with the parents were kind of wrapped up too quick. Um, but I also a little bit more about Lulu. And because I felt like we, what I was getting in that episode about their friendship was different than what I saw. You know, like I felt like, yeah, they were, you know, petty, but I felt like they were more sisters than what I was getting from that episode, if that makes sense. Uh, no, that makes sense. I, I was thinking the same way, where I was just like, uh, maybe I missed it, but I was like, but I always thought that they were they were a joint set, how they were portrayed in prior episodes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you would never see uh, Candy far from Lulu and vice versa. Yeah. That's why I was like, that's very interesting. Um, or I was thinking if she was going to take something, she was going to take something to say, like, you know, 
this is something I, I just want this to be for me and you or something like that. And, or maybe took a glove to be like, you know, we shared this, we stole this together, something like that. But I just, I don't know, that was a little bit different for me. But I, but I do appreciate the episode and I am looking forward to what they will be continuing to do moving on. I think you guys hit something really important that I, I, I didn't put into perspective in terms of what it feels like to be a trans black person or a trans black and brown person um, and the importance of legacy because like live, like that whole live fast and die young mentality is not something you can't play with your life because you kind of know out the gate when you're coming, you know, coming to yourself and acknowledging yourself as queer, like that your life expectancy is short. Mm -hmm. And so your legacy is so important people who are cisgender and heterosexual don't necessarily have that line of thinking. Um, you know, when we're talking about trans black women or trans women of color, their life expectancy is what, like 35? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't even put those two things together about the importance of legacy and, and trying to, you know, make your impact early and as quickly as you can because you don't know how far or how long you're going to be on this earth it's really fucking sad right like that's a yeah. really sad statement slash thought process to go through but that is the reality for a lot of black and brown trans and queer people yeah there was uh two things when pray tell was talking to candy uh well i guess candy's ghost and how he was saying that he was in layman's terms jealous of her for living out loud that reminded me of how some people especially some gay people are upset with other femme gay uh or i won't say femme queer people about how oh they're they're too gay or they're too feminine or they're too this or that you know trying to water their sexuality down to appease the masses and i think that we as queer people need to have a, a deep conversation about why we want to basically relegate or regulate somebody else's sexuality. Mm -hmm. And also um, the issue of uh, colorism and whatnot. I, I was talking to my partner about this yesterday and Maybe the idea, this whole colorism thing is on purpose because this is in the 80s, early 90s, where, you know, a lot of black people were, you know, still trying to find this idea of blackness. And you still had, I'll, I'll give an example, like for school days, you had the, the Jigaboos versus the wannabes. And you also had this idea of, the light, lighter skin were better than the dark skin. And I think that even Spike Lee had the, the lighter skin more better accommodations than the dark skin. So you saw the animosity between the two more apparent on the movie. And I think that's what the, the show was trying to highlight. But I can also see where people have an issue with it as far as let's say Candy and Electra being the mean girls especially Electra, which I have a very hard time with her being nice one minute and then she's going back to her old 
mean ways. I don't know. What do you all think about the that idea of colorism more imposed? Yeah, like I, I agree with you. Like I, I, I hesitate to say much about it because again, like that not my you know, not my wheelhouse, not my community. So that is I I've heard or seen from kind of secondhand discussions being just a person on Twitter who follows queer <laughs> trans people. Um, you know, that discussion around the colorism. I can say, what I can say is, as a, a, a darker skinned black woman, I can completely understand that, that just, it was hard seeing Candy with the blood on her face, man. I'm not gonna lie. It's rough. It's, it's very difficult to watch, um, especially if someone of that darker hue. Um, Electra seems very unstable as a character um, in general. Uh, I don't know if I have a, a major issue of how she kind of flip-flops between nice and mean. She just gives me classic, you know, uh, drama queen, you know, a la mm -hmm. a Disney villain, which, which is why I recently tweeted that I think she, if there's an opportunity, put her hat in the ringer for Cruella DeVille. I think she'd be a fantastic Cruella DeVille, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, yeah, no. You see what I'm saying? Like, isn't that a good idea? Like, I was, I would be here for it. I think she'd be a fantastic Cruella DeVille. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, I think that, that it, it's super fair when we talk about how dark-skinned women in general are portrayed on television. There's not a lot of us, so <laughs> uh, we want to make sure that they're, they're, you know, treated right. But I can also recognize that, you know, they, this team doesn't shy away from the realities of, you know, the 80s and the 90s where people were obsessed with light-skinned women. Um, we are still obsessed with them now, but like even more so, uh, it was very much prevalent in that era. So I didn't put thought into that, but I, you know, I don't think that that's a bad assumption slash um, I could see how that's the case. Right. Victor? Uh, yeah, it, I, I've noticed that because I think someone pointed it out and I was like, let me look at it. And I was like, yeah, we are the main stories have been more on the lighter skin characters. The darker skin character seems to be, it's almost like how Tyler Perry stuff is. That's how it <laughs> You know, it's like always the, the, like the dark, like how they used to do like the, the darker skin men were the evil ones and the lighter skin, you know, Shamal Moores were like the saviors or the ones who are going to change everything. Um, so it, it does have that vibe to it. I don't know if it's going to mix around because you never know. It's Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy has ways of like flipping things in the middle or through or what have you. Mm -hmm. Even if he's not as active in this one that he has in the past. But I do hope that, you know, everybody involved has, has maybe caught an eye to that, maybe have something in plan for that. I want to hope that maybe something's going to change a little bit, maybe get someone new, a couple of new characters that change things around. Because we don't, we because right now we don't even have the stories with with some of the boys like you know with what's been going on we had like a little bit of you know the issue with them breaking up and that's coming back i guess but i felt like we haven't really seen a lot of the more family interaction um right. so, so yeah i jumping back on the colorism thing i do see that and i do hope they kind of change that around a little bit um to where we're getting a little bit more of everyone else but maybe getting in some new People and we may because of the fact that we have the House of Winter that we haven't really explored yet. So maybe that might be 
we go from there. Or even look at a season one versus season two, like not necessarily a colorism example, but Poppy was a very secondary character and they have, they are working towards expanding his art, which I am very happy about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think there to, to, to Vic's point, like there's opportunity for them to do this. They, and they seem, at least the people behind the scenes um, seem very cognizant and it, at least receptive to feedback, I feel. Um, and they are, you know, wants to stay in the loop socially on what's going on. So, you know, we've gotten the green light for season three. There are much more stories to tell. We also have more episodes this season than last season. I think we have like two more. So, um, I'm looking forward to see what, what shakes out as a result of that. Yeah, me too. So let's... Because we could talk about posts like this whole time. So let's go ahead and move on. What else do we have? Well, we can talk about Disney um, showing out these last couple weeks. Um, You know, they gave us um, insight of Mulan that's coming out, live version of that, where it won't be a lot of the music or any of the music from the original movie. Um, But for what they did give us, it did look, you know, it looks pretty good. Exciting. I didn't see the... Did I see the original? I didn't. Uh, I saw parts of it. Um, yeah, I didn't see the original either. But, uh, Wait, have you never seen you? You guys have never seen the Disney animated movie Mulan? Uh uh-uh. uh Real okay. So I can I lead this discussion because <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to yes okay. So <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to like co-opt your whole okay. show, but um, quiet, quiet, maybe quiet is kept. Uh, so a lot of there's a lot of people who have their favorite Disney movie. Mulan is my favorite Disney animated movie. It really is. I love Mulan. Uh, and so I was both excited and had extreme anxiety on what this was going to pan out, especially when news came out on a lot of different elements. Specifically, there was going to be no music, no Mushu, uh, no Shang, no a lot of this other stuff. And I was like, ah, what are y'all going to do? What <laughs> the trailer gave me was actually way better than what I was anticipating and actually probably better than what I would have wanted my expectations to be. I have been on written record of having, while enjoying the film, having really big issues with the live action Lion King that just came out, strictly because it is extremely visually stunning, but emotionally bland. They literally just do beat for beat the same story, but they don't inject the same emotions towards it because fun fact, when you're doing photorealism, we're alliance can't emote like humans, right? And so I, it would have been, really difficult for me now seeing the Lion King as is for me to sign up on a Mushu animated-esque beat-for-beat remake. What I do think that they are trying to attempt is to make this more historically accurate um, on top of making sure that there isn't a lot of racist, orientalist tropes that come with this uh, film. Um, And I appreciate that. So I think this could, listen, this could be an absolute goddamn nightmare. They could fuck this up in right. terms of how it nets out. But from what I saw from the trailer, I'm actually the most excited about this. And I haven't really got, I haven't gotten excited about any of the live action. And I love, I love The Lion King. I love Beyonce, but I wasn't excited about The Lion King either. Just because again, like, I, you know, why mess with perfection? Like it was beautiful the way it was. Um, and and they did mess with perfection and, and it didn't work for me and it, it ended up not you know being my cup of tea so i think with this one they're actually trying to tell you know keep the same heart and soul and essence of the film 
um, but really leaning into this historical element, uh, which if they have the right people, Asian people, behind the scenes, I think could be something actually really special. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this. Yeah. And then we also got a little bit beforehand the news about The Little Mermaid because that just blew everybody up. <laughs> because one, everybody thought it was Halle Berry that was going to be playing an area, which that was not the case. It's going to be um, Halle from Halle and Chloe, um, Beyonce's um, protégés. Basically, she is going to be um, Ariel. And that just blew everybody up, especially mostly the white folks. I mean, they just kind of lost it. It was like, you know, my childhood. And it's really interesting because if you look at, there's been many, many, many different versions of Little Mermaid. Uh, for example, there was a cartoon called Happily Ever After, which actually had very multiracial versions of the of our favorite fairy tales. And that one was told, I think, was a Chinese version. If you look at the one that's been on stage or the one that's been on Broadway, I think there's an Asian... Uh, yes. I think the Asian, the one on Broadway is currently, or not yes. currently, or has been Asian. Yes. So she spoke out about it. But if you really want to look at the overall history of The Little Mermaid... She's green, right? They, they've all been, yeah, they're either green and hell. Let's look up Harry Potter because the mermaids in there were green and almost monstrous looking at, at some point. So it was like, you know, they, they, they have been, they look different every different story that is told. They're not white. They could be anything. Um, and hell, they're underwater, for goodness sake. So they could be, I mean, anyway. Point the more important question, the more important thing is yeah. they're not real. They're not real. Yeah. <laughs> everybody and lost, a, and everybody lost their rabbit mind during that time. But like, I think, I think for me, we have this argument. It's always a cyclical argument when somebody is not casted as the blonde-haired, blue-eyed white woman in a lot of these films. And at the end of the day, I want to use the argument the races use. Like, she is the best person to be casted for this film. If you know anything about Chloe and Halle, if you know anything about their acting career that's been budding on Grownish, if you know anything about Halle's voice and how she sings, she is, there is no better casting for this, honestly. And, and, and like, not because I want a black Ariel, it's because it's the truth. And yeah. so if you're basing it off of those, you know, masking racist arguments, she's the best, you know, we're always saying, oh, you know, hire the best talent. She's the best talent. She really is. Yeah. Right. One thing I didn't like that was coming out of this whole Ariel thing is people started uh, pairing the prince, pairing Ariel with these much older dudes. Like uh, a lot of people wanted uh, Ian Summerholden to be the prince. And I'm like, he's 40, at least 40 years old. And Ariel is basically a 19 year old. So out of all the actors in Hollywood, all the male actors in Hollywood, you mean to tell me that the only people that are working are 40 year olds. That was really creepy. And then on what top of that, it, it really was. Also, I also find it very interesting that every person that they wanted to have as Eric was never black, which I found very fascinating. I was like, right. oh, okay, well, like, which is fine. But like, I was like, no, no choices. Somebody brought up Jarrell Jerome, and he is of age. He's like in his early 20s. And I was like, okay, that works for me. Like, I'm, I'm, put my, I'm putting my uh, hat in the ring for that. I think that he's a good cast for it. I think he's very handsome. I think he's having a great career right now, post Moonlight and When They See Us. I think he'd actually be a good choice. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I saw that. I saw a few black people. There was some other black guy that I saw that I saw, and I, I agree with it, but I thought he was a little bit too old. Even I posted that one too. Was the Rome Flynn from How to Go Away with Murder? He, oh, I want him. I want him as the V. If they do Princess of the <laughs> he looks just like him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He does. Um, so yeah, I was like thinking that you can they they can find people to do this. There's too much going on, especially in young Hollywood, and it's Disney for God's sake. They can. I feel like they got the lockdown on young, young Hollywood. So, There's a lot of people, a lot of white people were casting, uh, saying Michael B. Jordan. I was like, Michael B. Jordan's not the only black actor act, acting guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I do not want to see his black ass in this movie. Yeah. Also, he's thirty something. He's in his early thirties. He's like thirty one. I was like, she's whole nineteen. Can we just? Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, people are just weird. And I'm gonna throw this in here because this. I think this came out today. Um, but uh, you know how they were looking for the next um, Bond, so it's announced. That uh gosh, what's her name? Lashana. Yeah, Lashana Lynch. Lynch is going to be the new James Bond. Yeah, so just just like so from the reports, they're pretty much saying that Bond is still she Bond is still Bond. Like he's still James Bond, but he's retired. She'll be the new 007, which makes sense because you know, just because he's James Bond does and he's his number has historically been, you know, agent his number's always been seven. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. that when he retires, he has to keep that with him to the grave. Like, so I, I think it's actually very smart to, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the one who's who's pinning this script. Um, and if you don't know her, she's extremely fucking talented. She wrote um, Fleabag. It's a very good show. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She's talented. Uh, Sis has range. She has skills. Um, and so I, what I think is smart about that is they're distancing Bond and the white straight male like machismo that comes with it, um, but still giving and opening up the opportunity to define what 007 looks like. What does that number represent? Like, what does it stand for? So I do think how she did that, if if true, because this is like the rumor, if this is true and it's actually happening this way, brilliant way to do it. You're separating the number 007 from Bond, giving an opportunity for it to be Bond, and the racists who were mad about all the rumors about uh, Idris Elba wanting to play Bond and people saying that he couldn't be Bond, you would be doubly mad because now you got a black woman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can be mad. Stay, stay mad. Yeah, like you could just be, you could just, honestly, I'm to the point with, with love, I say, you could choke and die. Like I'm over every time. Oh, no, I, I've been saying that. Uh, yes. Like I, every time I log in, it is a, fight for these characters that are not real people that don't like on a pop culture standpoint is fine but nothing about their characters specifically say that they have to be white nothing about their characters right these are not characters like characters from like fucking ghost in the shell or like characters from like rub and tug where part of large <laughs> part of the characters is they need to be of that community so in that standpoint yes i would be pissed if if you know, somebody was cast as somewhere that they weren't supposed to be. But in this standpoint, <laughs> Looks nothing... at Scarlett Johansson. Look, uh, listen, <laughs> I'm going to be throwing shade about her the whole episode because she just irritates the fuck out of me. 
for many reasons. Oh my god. I can't believe that she I felt like how did you not learn from this? Like just say nothing. Nobody asked you for a follow-up, sis. Nobody asked you for a follow-up statement. You could have just said stay you should stay quiet. You sat there and ate your food. Why are we talking about this still? I know. And then I was like, Chris, um, that's your friend. You should have been because you know, I was like, Chris, you could have went out there and said, um, don't do that. Don't like. Don't say anything. Just no, because no. Chris is tr- Chris is being a selfish white man, and in this juncture, I agree. He was like, "I my name is Ben and I ain't in it. Figure it out yourself." <laughs> right. Figure it out. Shit. He was like, "You can defend yourself, strong, strong white woman. Go ahead. Go for it. Okay. That's I can I can respect that and be like, okay, girl. Look, I love my friends, and I will let you know one time. Hey, I don't think you say this, but after that, if you talk outside of your ass, I'm just gonna be like, well, that's on you then, girl. I'm not your mama." That's a good point. He probably was like, okay, well, I tried. Because I know what, because I remember when he was trying to help that one guy that was in the movie that said something and they had this interview. And I forget his name, but he was like one of the villains in Civil War. Not Civil War. Um, Winter Soldier. He said something about why they have to be black people. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, what is his name? I know who you're talking about. Yep. And so Chris was like, why are you trying to say it like that? And then later I was, I heard that he was like, he was like, dude, I don't know what you're doing, but that, no, 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 don't do this. So I felt like, okay, uh, Scarlett needs some help, some friends, a good manager, because she could have just not said anything. She could have said to, oh yeah, I realized what I was doing and, you know, and that is right, that I should stick to roles. And when people can play these roles, you should be supportive. I think what's I think what's what's terrible is, is that she had a follow up statement that came out this morning I think and I had a chance somebody posted on Twitter I had a chance to read it there nothing a part of it is just her re it's pretty much her reiterating what she said um, and not a stitch of an apology so then I go back to the original point of why say anything if you're not going to be earnest about it like if you're gonna uh-huh. say it with your chest say it with your chest you trying to skirt around you, you like. You essentially just not even recanted what you said. You just was like, okay, well, I said what I said. So then what was the point of you doing the statement then? Just stay, stay quiet and just be like, yeah, I said what I said. And if that's right. fine, and that's all fine and well. Like, what's your statement is what's your statement. Honestly, I'm fine with her not having friends and talking the way she does. That makes it easier for me to make decisions in the box office when it's time for me to spend my $15 and, you know, 15 to $20 in New York. Who am I buying? Am I buying... The Scarlett Johansson plays the Asian man movie, or am I seeing something else? Or staying mm-hmm. out? <laughs> That's true. I've never seen nobody stand by such a bad decision. No. Continually for years. Yeah. It has been years exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah, this is not a one-off shot. This is. And she's not <sighs> struggling for roles. She is like one of the, one of the highest paid women in the game. So I'm just like. You're not struggling. You can Which is funny because Quad has kept her movies consistently for the last few years have been flops also because of the stance that she has, honestly, like because of the stance yep. that she has continually made. Like this is not the mid-2000s anymore. This is not the L- Lawson translation, Scarlett Johansson era. Since you've been making bad movies consistently now. So that money is not even warranted. She needs to talk to somebody. <laughs> not me. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Uh, right. I don't want to hear it. Right. I'm I'm more focused on the Lashana Lynch's taking roles that have nothing to do with offending a marginalized community yeah. and getting her just doing bag. That's who I focus on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it would be like one thing if she was playing like a grand wizard of the KKK. Then you know, <laughs> with it, 
But like, come on, it's just Bond. And he's always been, well, the Bond role has always been, uh, we're not even going to go down that route. Good job. Make these uh, white folks in their feelings. I don't give a fuck how they feel. And truly, always and forever. <laughs> but uh, some video game news. So Nintendo announced they're going with a much leaner version of their Switch called the Nintendo Switch Lite, which will be released on November 20th. It's going to be priced at $199, which is really not that bad. Um, but it won't have the ability like the Switch does to, for output through the TV, and it's a, not going to have the detachable Joy-Con controllers. It will have a, a five-and-a-half-inch uh, five screen, uh, screen with a resolution of 720. Uh, the battery life will be at least six hours, depending on the game, and the memory will be 32 gigs, which, eh, it's okay. Um, are you, I'm, Victor, I know you're not much of a gamer. Joy, are you a gamer? Do you have any kind of, of the systems? Are no, you I, I peaked, my, my gaming peaked at about um, junior high school. I was a serious Game Boy fan. Um, my parents bought me the limited edition Pikachu one. I thought I was styling the profile out here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I felt so confident in myself and my abilities. Uh, but no, I'm not, I'm not as much of a gamer, but I, you know, as as a broader nerd, I like to keep abreast of the, you know, the different mediums and like, keep, you know, have my hands in a couple of different pots. Did hear about the, the the light. I think it's a very fair console in terms of the mixture of pricing, but you know, with a lower pricing, you're getting lower capabilities. So yeah. I think on a broader model standpoint, it makes sense to me. Um, uh, I, I saw a lot of excitement just from, you know, my mutuals who are also who are more intense in gaming than I am. So that's good to hear. And I think any type of opportunity that we have to make gaming more accessible to people on a pricing standpoint is awesome because games are fucking expensive. That is something I do remember from being a gamer. Girl. (laughs) It is is a whole like it's it it goes it goes like in order of like gaming is like a relationship. You got to invest stuff into it like time and energy and money and you know, for you to be a serious gamer, God bless you. Like that is some, you are putting up coin uh, to do this. So commend all the gamers who do it. I hope you guys like the console. You know, obviously there's going to be some drawbacks in terms of battery life and, and you know, yeah, stuff that you can put on the TV, get that. But I think for the amount of money that you're getting, having people having access to these wonderful games um, at a more affordable price point is great. Yeah. I'm not much of a, because uh, this will be more handheld. I don't very, I don't like handheld that much as, you know, actual console gaming. Um, so I might pass this up. I don't know. We already have a Switch that does not get played much. Um, so I would rather spend my coins elsewhere. But it's, like you said, it's good for people who don't have a, a lot of money to spend some of these other systems and they want something now that they can, you know, just run around the city with, uh, ride on the train, the bus, well, you know, what have you. So I think it's a good business. Um, I think it's a good uh, business aspect from Nintendo to do this. I mean, it was, it's only in their kind of wheelhouse to do something like this. 
So yeah, they have the cachet. Have yeah you know, on yeah like on a on a business standpoint, you're absolutely right. Like I think there are very few large conglomerate gaming consoles slash organizations that can do something like this and provide you know uh, financial and pricing to your game options. Nintendo is definitely you know one, and they have done it before. They'll do it again. So uh, yeah, good on them. Like you know, if it makes people happy, if it makes the consumers happy, and that's all I care about. Right. And as far as hardware, Nintendo is head and shoulders above Sony and Xbox. Yeah. So it's wins all around. You know. Yeah. Yay to the company making <laughs> a shit ton more money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Do we have anything else? To talk about I think that was kind of it we kind of hit all the main things so yeah we got this we got the tea table pretty much cleared all right so let's go ahead and get into king's eyes issue which we will be talking and reviewing and spoiling all the things that happen from spider-man far from home so if you have not watched the movie stop right now run out to your picture show watch it come back and start this up again so first impressions what did you all think um i really enjoyed it so i will say since this is spoiler so i'll just kind of go right into it um i really love this film i think it's so crazy coming off of in game i think this is actually leaps and bounds probably the best cgi that we've got in an mcu um i was so transfixed i loved uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as 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 uh, Mysterio, um, I thought he did a very fantastic job, and I love weird Jake. Like I love when Jake does weird shit. I think that is absolutely within his wheelhouse. He's good at doing some weird shit. So when he has an opportunity to, I'm all in on, in general. Um, I it's no secret that in terms of a live action, and I have to emphasize on live action because we we were we were talking about. <laughs> um, into the Spider-Verse, there's no doubt in my mind that Tom Holland is the best live-action Spider-Man that we have ever received on screen. Um, he, his ability to mixture youthful excitement with, you know, conviction of his responsibilities um, to his just, like, natural-born heroicism, it just works so well on screen. And the, you know, the other cast of characters are fantastic, too. Zendaya really nails this role, and if you are not watching Euphoria right now, uh, what are you doing? Because Sis is giving us her good acting. Um, just very well done across the board. The only thing I would say on a um, overall standpoint is I want to see these characters get fleshed out more. I feel like we focus a lot on Peter, which we should because he's the title character. Um, but they have a unique opportunity where they have a, a cast of very rich, diverse characters. Um, I'm a native New Yorker, so I've always said that what I love about the MCU's version of Spider-Man was, it was the first time I watched a Spider-Man film. It was like, oh yeah, he's from Queens. Like, I never felt like that watching, um, you know, to um, Tobey Maguire or watching, um, you know, Andrew Garfield. I felt mm -hmm. like this is a character from Queens. Like, he is a New York kid, I, white kid I recognize. You know what I mean? And right. so, because we have this rich cast of characters, one of the characters had a hijab that was running for her life, mind you, but like, she had yes, a hijab. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and I was just like, oh shit, like, look at y'all. Like, so I love that. I want to, I want them to get a little further away from the background again, recognizing that, that it's very tricky to do because Spider-Man is the, the, the lead character. But if you have that, you know, opportunity to have these, these 
really diverse characters and you have that visibility, like can we get a double click on that would be my only one thing that I would love to see more of. I, you know, I enjoyed it. I really liked it. I liked that, you know, Mysterio gave you what, they played Mysterio in a way that I kind of knew what was going to go down because I know Mysterio. I liked the way that it prefaced, you know, how we were led to believe about multiverse and everything else through the experience. But I also liked the fact that we got a little bit more into Peter and some of the things that he goes through, but also the people around got yeah, a little bit more of that as well. I um, I want to, you know, I I my hope is move away from Tony. I know they want to keep us as much as they have, but I kind of want to get into how he Peter will deal with a lot of things, and I, and I hope we can get there. But overall, really enjoy it. You're right about Zendaya. She's really given us a lot, and she is really playing Michelle or MJ really well um, to where it's, she's the different type of MJ that we've never really seen. She's that, like, I don't know. She, she has, I like the way that she's kind of like deadpan, but almost, you know, but the way it works is really perfect and it's something different for him. Um, so I really enjoy just all of it together. I like how we are seeing Happy involved. Um, and I like that it's, setting things up for his universe to be more impactful that we've never really seen from the other Spider-Man movies. Um, because in other Spider-Man movies, they always put a lot about Peter and MJ, Peter, Peter and MJ, and, and everything to where it was like, villains were after thought, but I feel like we're getting a little bit more here to where we're seeing more of the real rounded world of what it is. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. And the funny thing is, <laughs> When I saw this movie, I saw this movie during the earthquake. So when they were taking off in the plane, we start to shake. And it was like, oh, okay, I must be really in this movie. I feel like I'm really taking off with them. And then I was like, wait, this is, no, we were really shaking in here. So it was interesting to watch the movie. But I love that the arc light did not stop. They stopped it just to take it back five minutes. They said, And they made little jokes like, Hey, this is five years in a few. You know, they moved five years. We're moving back five minutes. I was like, okay, but you know, <laughs> overall, for me, I thought this movie was okay. Mm-hmm. I was not. For me, I think Homecoming was better. Granted, there were some moments, uh, like Joy, like you said, like the visuals, like uh, Mysterio's visuals. Those were some of the best. I've seen in the MCU. Like, those actually were scary. Um, But I don't like this, the whole, we have to keep on referring to Iron Man. You know, even when he's dead, he's still here. And that, to me, is not such a good thing. Like, there's a time, granted, the like, he just died. However, there's comes a part where we we rely on him too much, and there's sometimes Spider-Man needs to step out of his Iron Man shadow. Uh, I thought for me, I was more interested to seeing Zendaya on film because I like how dry her MJ is, how sarcastic it is. 
because uh, she has elements of myself in it, in her. So that was more entertaining to me than uh, some of the other movie or some of the other elements of the movie. I thought Jake Gyllenhaal did a fabulous job as Mysterio. I find Jake very attractive and, you know, me, he can come on back to the crib if he wants to. Uh, what else? I, overall, I thought it was okay. It was, it was good, but not great. And I guess since this is the start of the next phase of the MCU, it didn't need to have this whole big wow factor. It just needed to lay some kind of foundation. Yeah, I, I would actually agree with you. Um, I, I, think, I think most of us, if everybody on the call agrees, I think uh, Homecoming is the better film. I agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think why Peter Parker as a character works very well is that he has, historically in the comics, had all these different experiences and has rubbed shoulders, been an Avenger, done all these things, but he's still a kid from Queens. And when you really like, you know, these are big problems, but in one, you know, in case city or borough, I think that's where he shines. So that's why I like uh, Homecoming a lot better. I think when we did a lot of the Euro hopping is where I think it wasn't necessarily the strongest, um, in my opinion. And I agree, I agree uh, with you. Like, I, I think for the sake of, Tony is, you know, Tony's body is still warm in the grave. Like, get it, why you're focusing on him and the relationship that him and, and, and Peter have. Got that, mm-hmm. makes sense. If we continue doing this, and I think this is going to be the real test of what phase four looks like beyond, um, and this is the end of phase three. Like, this is the last movie in phase three. The Infinity uh-huh. Saga is no more. And so what they announced, and, and Dick, let us know on the ground, because you're going to New York, you know, you're going to San Diego. Um, what they announce in the next couple of weeks, honestly, because they are going to be at Hall H, is going to dictate what type of story that they're trying to tell in a, honestly, in a post-Iron Man world. Tony is a, you know, I love Tony Stark as a character. He wasn't necessarily making my world go around like a lot of other people did. Um, and so I am looking forward to a post-Robert Downey Jr. universe of the MCU. And I have confidence that they can pull it off. Yeah. But I think it's, it, I think it's a question of what direction that they try to go what what are they leaving you know leaning heavily on i think they're going to go more in the cosmic route and ultimately you know what do his characters who have been around before this world like a spider-man place in because he is still a 15 year old kid now with the time you know with the with the blip as they call it with the snap these are characters that are going to probably get aged over aged down and they are leaning more towards the mythical cosmic realm with like the Eternals and, and Shang-Chi, I hope I pronounced that right. Um, where does where does the locally grown hero fit? Like fit? Is he the leader, the next leader of the Young Avengers? Is he going to be, you know, still the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? I think that is what this this new announcement in the next couple of weeks is really going to dictate what wind they blow with him and his character. Yeah. Right. And I am looking forward because, and I realize that they're gonna, yeah, they are going to be it. Come on. <laughs> And it is going to be, you know, something else there. What I do hope that you, you know, that that we do move away from the Infinity War, like the Infinity World, the 
that phase that we move away from that that we get something totally different and i don't know what that will look like i mean i we do know that black panther will be a part of this we do know that captain marvel will be a part of this but what are they bringing in so i think it's going to be a big announcement because as we remember they haven't i think they haven't been there for at least two years they've been or they've been there like or they didn't come like the year before um and so this is going to be a big reveal about what's going to happen um, also yeah. we don't know whether or not what they're presenting like it's not now with disney plus it's not just films anymore yeah. like right. we're getting we're getting a kate bishop hawkeye we're getting sam wilson uh um, you know the falcon and winter soldier which will probably get changed into captain america and bucky we got a black captain america now like there's so many different things we have wandavision we have all these different pieces that are not just the film medium that are going to intersect and they have said it's going to affect the larger film universe too so that's a lot of moving pieces that they got to juggle to tell a you know a continual story i have no clue what the fuck they're doing i am also not kevin feige i am not that smart so <laughs> we will see how that works but yeah it is it, that is it's a lot what, to juggle with it's a lot to ju- so many moving pieces and uh, you know I, I don't think i genuinely do not think that spider-man is going to get lost in the shuffle of that like because there are two different film studios that have a, a, a very heavy investment in this character because he makes a lot of fucking money so i know that's not gonna he's not gonna get lost in the shuffle I just want to know where he's going to be. You know what I mean? Right. So let's talk about Mysterio. So Mysterio came up to the scene when they were in Venice uh, and helped take away or beat defeat this uh, one of the elementals. Turns out that Mysterio is nothing more than a disgruntled employee from Stark Enterprises. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest, I was a bit disappointed. I wanted Mysterio to be from this different world and these whole elementals was going to, this is what I actually uh, thought, that the elementals were here on Earth to help save us from Mysterio. And when that didn't come out and he was just, you know, a random white guy that was pissed off at his boss, I was disappointed. I was like, oh, is that it? I wasn't surprised. Like, I, 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 I am a, I feel two things, right? So I'm with you. Um, I, especially coming off of Spider-Verse, like, the, the multiverse is something that is very prevalent in the history of Spider-Man, right? Mm-hmm. And something that a lot of people want to see now, especially because we've established this in animated form, mind you, but, like, we have an established track record on wax of what the multiverse can look like. And so I think post a uh, very Oscar winning, which I can, I try to say as much as I can, post Oscar winning <laughs> Spider-Verse, uh, people want to see more of that. Was I disappointed that we didn't get that? Yeah. On the other standpoint, Quentin Beck has been and always will be a liar. So like, I was not expecting <laughs> it to be that because in the comics, he's always, he's, he just a motherfucking liar. So like, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting more than that, but I, 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 I I'm with you. I was disappointed because I was like, damn, they really kind of, they, they try to pump fake us and like, I wanted a multiverse and we didn't get a multiverse, but also like the character itself has always been a liar. So I wasn't expecting a multiverse at the same time. So right. I think I'm saying like, I wish I had my cake and, and was able to eat it too. And that's not realistic. So. 
Yeah, and Jamie's right. I mean, that character is known for that, and so therefore, I was like, when I saw, that's what I was saying when I saw the the, the trailer, I was like, multiverse, but this is Quinn talking about. <laughs> I was like, so let's be aware of what that could be. But what I did love about Mysterio is when we got those those scenes that what Mysterio is known for it's for all the kind of the mystery, the lies, the you know, the imagery, the smoke and mirrors. This was everything that I expect him to be. And even if they've been doing that with him back with the Spider-Man Amazing Friends when he was playing tricks, but also in the comics. Mysterio was known for just really screwing up of super, oh, Superman, Spider-Man's life in so many ways. I think during that whole clone saga and all that foolishness, it was just so much that Mysterio has done. So that's why I'm thinking of, you know, what we got was just a taste of what Mysterio could do. Um, and what he set up is classic, you know, Mysterio in the sense of like, I'm going to still get you regardless of I'm here or not. And I'm going to, you know, get people fooled in the whole smoke of marriage and thing. Like he, to me, is how fake news is powerful. And so that's why it's going to be interesting to see what happens after this movie and what happens to Peter, you know, dealing with the fact that now he is pretty much out it. Yeah, that end credit scene was wild. Like, genuinely wild. Now, let's talk about the, uh, the relationship with MJ and Peter. What did you all think of that? Was it, I thought it was very believable um, how awkward you are in high school and how you the person that you want is you don't know if they're into you or you're trying to make this whole big elaborate plan and let's what's your thoughts about that i love the relationship i think it's so cute i think what i love about this universe and the mcu version of spider-man is they are not casting 32 year olds to play high school students like Toby Maguire was a smooth 47 trying to convince me that he was in high school. I just, <laughs> this was not believable, sir. So like, that is what I love about these characters is that they fit in no awkwardness well because they just got out of their teen years. Like since they was like 21, 22. So was Tom Holland. So like them, they're, they're just coming into their adulthood barely. So I, I love that, that they have a immediate frame of reference of what that feels like. Um, I love Zendaya. I love just love Zendaya in this role. I think this is my first glimpse of, of seeing her range beyond, you know, Disney Channel and Shake It Up and, and Casey Undercover, all fun things, but like didn't necessarily afford her the the vehicle to be as talented as she truly is. Um, and so I'm always grateful to this universe for providing that for her because then we can get her doing things like Euphoria and really showing us that she can act and she's multi-talented. Um, I just, yeah, their character, their relationship is so awkward and sweet. I love it so much. Like, yeah. watching it, I'm just like, ooh, the memories. <laughs> memories. Yeah, I like their relationship. It's really cute. It's believable. I like her awkwardness. I like her, how sarcastic she can be, but also how she keeps Peter on his toes. Like, it's not just, you know, in the first movie, he wanted the pretty girl. He wanted Liz, and now this is someone that he would actually challenge him. So, just really, I like the way they play off each other. I, I believe it. I believe what they can really do. I thought, you know, the ending, uh, the ending scene with them, you know, 
going around, you know, New York was really cute. Um, just because it was, that's how anybody would be if you're like swinging with someone and screaming and everything else. It wasn't all this romantic thing like it was in the original movie. So I kind of enjoyed this. This was actually, it was actually something that I really believed in. I really believe in that relationship. Nothing also tickles me more than the fact that like Peter Parker in this universe has been in love with two black women. Nothing yeah. tickles me more. Like just nothing tickles me more than watching it. I'm like, wow, this is great. Thanks guys. <laughs> so um, let's see, what were some of your all's favorite parts of the movie? And other parts that you kind of didn't go for? Uh, oh man. Um, I, again, like the CGI in this one is is stellar. The the how they visualize uh, Mysterio's illusions, you could tell they put legitimate money and 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 talented people behind it. Yeah. Um, because that shit freaked me out. I'm not gonna lie. Like watching it just on like a regular 2D screen, <laughs> like nothing, no IMAX, no nothing. I was like, yo, this is intense. Yeah. Um, it was very comic booky, but yeah. like adult comic booky, if yes. that makes any sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the scene when they, when they were at the grave, at mm-hmm. Tony's grave, and like the dismembered like Iron Man flew out. I was like, uh-oh, no, this makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh, yeah. So they were agree with you on that. It's comic booky, but very adult and referencing adult themes. So they didn't, you know, they put the the the, the right money towards it. So I'm appreciative of that. Um. What else? I, I like how they develop. This is a weird one. I like how they have given Happy a little bit more to do. Happy is a character, which, I mean, John Favreau is John Favreau. He's not hurting at all for any type of money or accolade. But uh, he, how they used him in the character before is he plays sidekick or just essentially babysitter to uh, Peter because um, Tony has a disinterest in the beginning, but interest in the kid. And so, you know, how he's growing on his own, on his own and is developing his own personal um, attachment to him, I enjoyed. I also loved that he started playing Back in Black when he started uh, building his new suit. I thought it was a yeah. really cute callback. <laughs> and he was, and then like, uh, you know, Peter was like, oh, what is this really old song? <laughs> and it was, very, it was very adorable in terms of happy seeing the, the man that he has grown to love in this young boy um, and seeing like, you know, the future's in good hands. So I thought that, that was cute too. Um, I like, I will say something I did not like and I, I don't know where to place it or if they give him more to do. Flash Thompson's character from the first movie and the second movie is definitely different. The fact that he has his own, like his own Instagram following cracked me up. And I, the fact that I think somebody mentioned in the interview that his Instagram like hive is called Flash Mob, which I found hilarious. But, uh, yeah, I was just like, okay, you're, you're an Instagram influencer now? All right. Um, <laughs> that was a little weird to me. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the other thing I didn't like is, you know, I talked a little bit about the representation. We had um, our first uh, openly trans actor in this movie, in the MCU ever. Um, and they got maybe, uh, you know, he got maybe uh, like two lines. <laughs> Not even. Would have been nice to uh, hear more from him. Right, that would have been great. I uh, honestly, I I went right over my head. I didn't. I realized I knew that they had a trans actor in it, 
didn't even know until you just said something about them having lines. Oh yeah, I was actively looking out. I was actually active, actively looking out for him because I was like, yo, that's dope. What is he going, like, what is his character? And yeah. he doesn't have a name in the, in the show, in the movie. Like they don't list, he doesn't, he has no, he has no name like a Brad or like a Jacob or something like that. He has nothing. So I was like, damn, like, what, like you gonna cast them and you guys are gonna make this grandiose announcement about it. And like, look, good for him. Cause he seems to have really bonded with them kids out. And I like, when they were doing behind the scenes photos, he was all in the photos. Like they have a relationship and a bond. So I hope he's in, you know, the future movies, but I would love to see some character development. Yeah. I, I enjoy, as I, you know, I enjoy MJ's and Peter's relationship. I enjoy seeing Aunt May having her hot summer, hot girl summer. Uh, <laughs> Aunt May in those pants. Listen, Aunt May, Aunt May looks fine, okay? Uh, yeah. Great. Um, I like how she is, you know, just really enjoying herself. Um, I wish they got, I, I heard it other places, I wish they really talked a little bit more about, you know, when they come back and what's that feeling of coming back five years and everything has changed. What does that really look like? Like she mentioned about, we came back and people were already in our place. You know, like, just talking about a little bit more of that, just to have more impact on what that really means. I mean, we got through that one student who grew up and became kind of the interesting nemesis. Um, but um, I did I did like, you know, again, seeing, you know, the students kind of, seeing the students together, that was kind of nice to see that. Um, and to kind of understand what Mysterio's, not power, but abilities are and what he's capable of doing. That was also great to see and seeing those montages of like how powerful his images play or holograms play. It's funny because I had my mind went straight to this is the synergy I never got that because they did not know their work. So, I said the exact same fucking thing. I said, I said, Ken, look, Mysterio got synergy. I said, Lord. <laughs> that is the power of synergy, if we have not figured it out. But um, that is what I enjoy. What I didn't really care for is that whole drone scene where there was like, you know, shooting at the, you know, we accidentally, you know, sent that out to kill that student. I mean, I get what he was, it could have been like, Oh, you want us to kill him? No, 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 no. That could have been it. We didn't have to have that whole scene of that. Um, and also, just um, I, I, I like the gadgets and stuff, but I felt like okay, that's a lot too. Could be getting more into. I feel like we're getting a little bit different into what Batman. I keep saying something else. This whole Spider-Man um, can be. So I was a little bit like, okay, all the gadgets that's great. It's great, but I like the classic Peter just. Here I am, regular suit, some upgrades, but not everything's super upgraded because now he's like, it feels more Iron Man. Um, but in all, you know, those are the only little things I did not really care for. I, I am curious about, you know, how Flash will develop as a character because as you mentioned, Joy, it's interesting he has a following now. But I would like to, you know, see more of Flash because in the comics, Flash plays a bigger role uh, in so many ways, so it'll be nice to see how they will move the other characters in this universe as they go forward. Yeah, um, I'm agreeing with y'all. The visuals was the best part of the movie for me. I 
it felt like the relationship between Peter and Nick Fury was lacking something. I don't know what it was, and I couldn't really find out what it was, but something was missing there. Um, Do you think it might have been because he's a scroll and was a scroll this whole time? Yeah. It might as well. Yeah, I could. Maybe the scroll was pushing too hard on the Nick Fury-ness of it. It didn't see like a maybe a a human side to it. I don't know. That's a good possibility. Um, what else? I like the um, the visuals as far as the elementals. Um, like I said, Jake was a good villain. I did like how he had the last laugh, even in death, uh, at the end. Um, but that's a, a reoccurring theme in the comics, too, that as far as Peter Parker's identity being, um, being found out. I liked how, um, oh God, I'm going to forget his name, uh, from the Daily Bugle. Um, oh, J. Jonah Jameson. Yes, I like how he is still the same character from all of these movies and is still the same loudmouth white man. Um, I like that. I'm interested to see where it leads as far as this next few movies because you know the other ending the other uh post credits scene was when nick fury was basically in this space facility uh and it looked like there were scrolls and a lot of people have been hinting that this is the next phase from shield to the sword Captain Marvel was head of S.W.O.R.D. And this is where they pull from the Fantastic Four, uh, a lot of different other, like the the um, Eternals. I think the X-Men somehow, some way got in, t- uh, in contact with this. So we could very well see some kind of hints at the X-Men, Fantastic Four, other superheroes at Comic-Con, because that, like y'all said, they haven't announced anything, just that they're going to be there. And that's enough for them. Yeah, so, yeah that's going to yeah. be interesting, because, you know, as you think about their going into space, and, you'll see, and, and, and most people know Fantastic Four is, they, I mean, recently they left traveling throughout all the universes, um, and so they have made their way back. But it's interesting to see, it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to really incorporate a lot with space, if you remember. And uh, in, in, in the game, they even talk about there's so much more out there that we don't know about. So I'm, I'm sure that we're going to see that through not only just in the theory of the scrolls, but also with the next installment of Garden, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and yeah, it's interesting because as we go into space, we'll get into the scrolls, we could get into the Shi'ar. We could get into so many other things out there that will lead into maybe the Civil War, because that was a time when the scrolls were actually infiltrating um, superheroes and all that good stuff. So you never know what's going to come out of it. But I am very curious to see like what they're doing out there in space. Well, back down to our universe. I am curious to see if they're going to even talk about or even touch the Inhumans, because that was a moment 
and that was blown up. <laughs> so maybe they just got erased because the Inhumans and Internals, they're kind of in the same mix. So that's why I wonder how they're going to play that out. Uh, I don't know. I hope they do. That could have been so good, but it was so bad. Yeah, that was a. I I don't know. Like, first of all, the fact y'all brought it up, and there was a moment where I completely forgot that <laughs> we now have X Men <laughs> and Fantastic <laughs> Four. When y'all were saying that, I was like, uh huh. I was like, oh shit, you're right. We do. Like, <laughs> you know why? Because I here's what I do think. I don't think we're not going to hear any no no hair nor hide about x-men for for the next years i really do think that i do not think that we're going to be talking about the x-men anytime soon in the mcu um the reason being is they have you know outside of the mcu mcu itself they have the longest kind of track record of of films and so i think we like i think the thinking probably for marvel is you know consumers need a second to just take a breather a bit especially because the last one didn't do so hot in the movie theaters and people were disappointed in terms of the send-off. I think it's going to be a while until we see them on, on our screen. Now, uh, Fantastic Four, however, I think if there was a chance for any of the new properties to get announced at San Diego Comic-Con, it'd be that one. We've had enough years distance from the, what's his name? Something, uh, Josh Trank. Yeah. Yeah. That terrible mm-hmm. version of the movie with that bad wig from <laughs> from Invisible Woman. Yes. Um, you know, I think there's been enough years distance from it where we can, you know, people don't people have not forgotten. Don't get me wrong, but like there's been enough space for us to like reevaluate and see what a reboot can do. And I think it's an appropriate amount of time for a reboot. So I think out of all the new properties they got, I think it's going to be what is phase four and beyond based on the, what what we know is going to be happening which is a second black panther a second black Mar- uh captain marvel i think a second doctor strange a third third spider-man third guardians maybe a thor four eternals shang chi i think that's the ones that we know pretty certain that's gonna happen oh and right. this like prequel black widow but nobody wants to see that shit. so um there's that uh now and then the other thing that I think they'll probably they may or may not announce of where the, who gets incorporated into that is probably going to be Fantastic Four, maybe Deadpool, but I doubt it. I might get flack for this, but I kind of don't want to see another Deadpool. I would be okay with that one. I, you know what? I would not mind. I would not mind a Spidey and Deadpool movie. I wouldn't mind that. That would be interesting. That would be fun. But then that's it. I don't want any more dead people. But would they have to put it to a PG-13 rating? Because Deadpool is usually rated R or something I think, of that sort. I think regardless, I think, so you remember when they did Once Upon a Deadpool, when they did a PG-13 version of yeah. the film to raise money for cancer? Mm-hmm. Like, yay, you know, yay, raising money for cancer. I also think it was, it was killing two birds, one stone to test how well a PG-13 Deadpool could do. Um, and so I, what I want, if, if my personal opinion is if we're going to keep Deadpool in this universe, I would like him to be R. I'm not pressed for another Deadpool. That's not to say we couldn't get an X-Force movie. That's not to say that we couldn't do a Spidey uh, Deadpool team up that's PG-13 and maybe do a, a, a rated R X-Force. I don't know what that looks like. But 
I think with the with the Fox acquisition, you're getting a you're getting the use and naming and world of the mutants again. And so yeah. there's a lot of other mutants that we haven't explored that are not a part of the X Men that Deadpool could play in. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. I think since they have this acquisition, there's so many team-ups that we can see, so many um, storylines that they could take. Uh, hell, we could still get like a Incredible Hulk versus Wolverine type thing. There's um, so many stories they can explore. And here's, so I think the, the second level of that though is like, I think not all of these films are gonna be explored on film. So I think it's going to be a two-pronged strategy of Disney Plus versus what's going to be a film. And Deadpool, like, Deadpool might be, like, the PG-13 movie or, like, a Spidey Deadpool team-up might be just, like, a Disney Plus exclusive or something like that. Or an X-Force film might, or X-Force might just be a Disney Plus series. Like, I don't know what that looks like. There's a lot of fucking properties, and I think the only thing I'm hesitant about is you know, Disney as a as a broader studio this year has not shied away from having essentially a film a month. That is going to be a little bit, and that's not just including the Marvel films. That oh, is that's including, true. Yeah. yeah, that is not including the Mar- just including the Marvel films. That is including their live actions. That's including Star Wars. So they're they're juggling a lot of properties here, and I'm not necessarily a believer of fatigue per se. But I will say that that is a very loaded, this year is a very loaded calendar. And that's also including all the Fox films because now the marketing department at Disney is marketing these Fox films. Yeah. So, so Stubler, I saw Disney people tweeting about it. That's a Fox film. Now it's a Disney film. So um, that's, a heavy, that's a heavy load. That's a lot of different properties. And that's not including the new Marvel properties that are gonna come to effect. I don't know how they're going to juggle this so that it doesn't feel like very monopolistic and honestly very heavy on, on, the, on the consumer's minds and wallets. Um, but it's a lot. Do you think that Disney might, well, Marvel, the cinematic universe might falter in some way as far as you have all of these properties, all of these characters, all of these storylines that has the potential to be too muddled and collapse underneath itself? I I think it depends on if they continue this multi-universe strategy. And I don't know if they are. I think like when you're, when we just had a set amount of properties and Fox was doing their shit over there with like Deadpool and Fant- you know, Fantastic Four and X-Men, and then you had like Sony with Spider-Man in the Road Gallery. Like, I think it was easier to do a multi-universe strategy. I think now that you got pretty much majority of the, the, the toys back at the playground and you now have a streaming service, I don't like, I think the stories interconnected between the streaming service and the films, there's gonna be continuity. I do think that they'll most likely kind of go on a, a, a layered, film by film approach and then focus on continuity a lot more on the team ups. At least that's what I would do so that I don't confuse myself. But again, nobody pays me to talk about this. So <laughs> um, there's that. So yeah, the long story short, I, I think if they were doing if they were doing another 
Infinity S Scott saga, then yeah, I think this would be this is this is a tall order. Um, but I don't think I generally don't think that that's in the cards for them. I mean, what do you think, Vic? I, I agree. Um, it's so, oh, it, it, when you think about it, it's so it's so. So I I agree. I mean, I can't really. What you're saying makes total sense. So I'm gonna just say I'm just gonna leave it at that. Ditto because I can't. <laughs> it's kind of. Hmm. I mean, we are happy that they have everything back. Yes. How they gonna roll this out? My fear is when I think about it. I think about this. This you know. I think about the DCEU. They had everything. Everything. And how they rolled all that stuff out. It was like, you know, when you're trying to put saran wrap on something and it just bunches up and you just never get it on. It just, and you keep pulling out more and more and more and more, you make it worse. And basically, what you're trying to do is put around a bowl. That's how I kind of feel. Like, I, I worry, like, because they have so much and they're trying to put so much to a degree, it could go totally wrong or it could go the route that DC went. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just I'm 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 trying to be hopeful that they'll they can manage this well. They've done so well so far. We'll see. We'll see. But you know what it is with the DCU. I agree with you. But I, I would say that what to me what was kind of like the the falling point for the DCU was a combination of they had everything and they didn't roll it up correctly. I agree with that. But I think the other aspect is they focused on the wrong properties to bring to life, and I think that was their biggest hurdle to go over like did we need a suicide squad we didn't we did not need a live action suicide squad right like did you know wonder woman was important did we necessarily need an aquaman not really but it did well right mm -hmm. do we really need a live action Shazam? not really but it did pretty well um i think they were trying to even this uh joker film i'm curious about this joker film it's probably gonna do fine um, on a money standpoint, we absolutely do not need a live action Joker film for fucking what? Like, why do we need? There's no point. Um, and so I think that they have a. I think it's a, it's it's less of a what they're rolling it up to. I think they've kind of distanced themselves from from having a shared universe, which was the best decision they made for themselves. But I think their issue is they are not necessarily focusing on the right properties that's going to generate the right amount of like the right cocktail of um critic acclaim and consumer hook and i think that's their issue now if marvel decides to focus on doing big budget films for second to third tier characters that don't roll up to the right thing like guardians of the galaxy had every opportunity to be a fucking disaster because not a lot of people know about Guardians of the Galaxy as face value as, as a comic book franchise. And they really are second to third tier level characters. Yeah. Um, but what they used it for was to really introduce us and further drive home the cosmic aspect of the MCU beyond Thor. And that's why it worked. So um, if, if, they ladder, if they ladder up the right properties and pick the right properties and ladder, ladder them up to the right strategic vision, I think they should be okay. I agree with that. I agree with yeah. that. I think that's what they've been doing um, pretty well. And, you know, you, when you talk about <laughs> DC, it's very interesting because, yeah, you're right. The way the way they put that together is was very out there. 
and it's funny because if you look at it now, it's mostly, I mean, the, 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 the DCEU right now is basically Batman Universe and Shazam. That is what it is. Everything else they got coming out is basically is, is surrounded around Batman and then and Aquaman. So those three side characters and then so it's very sad and interesting, and I'm hoping that Marvel does not go that route to where they're focusing so much on um, Iron Man and his fair and his friends, and then whatever new they come out. So hopefully that will change too. <sighs> yeah. Well, final thoughts about uh, Far From Home. Uh, I enjoyed it. We we went so far left from Far From we, Home. That I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Know. It's, it's just a conversation about everything else but the film, but it's good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, everything's connected. You yeah. Know. It's all connected. I thought it would. I thought the movie was good. It wasn't great, but it lays some important foundation in this upcoming phase. Agreed. All right. Well, that was fun. Yeah, we did go off a little bit, but you know, that's that's. Talk about geeky things like this and movies and everything. It happens. Yeah, it, it happens. And Joy, thank you so much for coming on Mechashine. Um, if you wouldn't mind, would you tell everybody where they can find you on this crazy thing called the interwebs? Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me. This was I love I love talking geek with, with fellow with fellow friends. So thank you so much for inviting me. It was fun. Uh, was not expecting us to go into like such a deep discussion about <laughs> the broader interconnectivity of the MCU. But if I can't do it with anybody, like is, is, if I can't do it with, with folks that I like, are they really my friends? Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, no, you can find me on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Jump for Joy. I tweet about a lot of this. So it's the intersection of, of brand marketing and nerddom. So that's why I have a lot of very strong points of view on broader brand strategies of MCU and DC comics and stuff like that. So if you want to read more tweets like that, feel free to follow me on Twitter. Um, and thank you guys. Thank you. And you can find us on megashinepod.com. Let me, let me try that again. You can find us on Twitter at megashinepod. I'm at Porter Pizzazz, Victor's at Wonderman 5. You can like you can like, rate, subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We're on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Megashing Pod. Uh, let's see. Anything else before we get out of here? No, but, um, you know, Con is this week, so um, look out for stuff on our social medias uh, about that. Um, the only thing I would add is, uh, if you are not following Megashine, uh, don't take my word for it. We don't have a lot of opportunities to have spaces controlled and led by black queer people who love nerd shit. Um, and I, that is one of the reasons why I'm a fan of you guys. I learn a lot from you guys from listening to you. Um, it makes me so proud to see your podcast and your platform develop and you guys developing your own points of view and own brands on Twitter. And so I, you know, please follow them. They're great. They're really great. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Victor, don't you have a, a little bit of news about your um, little thing, that little picture that you showed? What picture did I show? Uh, 
what did I show? The um the one where you're in the writers guild. Oh come on, that's just oh yes, no. don't, don't do that. You do so not, funny. Vic. Do not bury the lead. Okay, he is <laughs> they, he is in the writing guild, folks. Okay, booked and busy. I love it. Right. But it's just one of my scripts or it is it is accepted or whatever it is. I got the thing for Do you it. hear yourself? You know, it's just that one of my scripts has oh, got accepted. No, I think if you submit, I think anybody can, right? I mean Okay, no, no, we're not no no no. We're not gonna act like you're not an elite bitch. Don't do this today, okay? <laughs> no. You got your script in, you were in the writing guild. That is something to be so fucking proud of. We're proud of you, man. Right. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's up there. It's it's it, it, basically it's like saying it's safe. <laughs> so it's like it's there. Um, no, it's cool. It's cool. I actually I'll be talking about that at Comic Con. Um, so, and if y'all go on to Comic Con, you know, find me, see me. I will be hosting our Black and Queer Media, uh, um, Black and Queer Media that will be on Saturday, which is a big day to have any panel on. See, um, I have to, we have to pull this out of him, you know. This is like, Vic. Okay, well, it's fine. That's fine. I will. My teleporter will be your hype man. That's fine. It's a okay. But just know we're proud. Yeah, but my only thing is, we are at six. The Marvel is at five fifteen. So we'll. I know people are trying to get. If you can get in, so basically, if we know you, lie, you're not going to get in. So you may as well just come on and see us. We'll have our panel. Um, Valerie Complex will be a part of that. So if you know Valerie, she's going to be in there. We have William Tyler. We have Eric Cooper. Uh, we may have some other special guests that will be on there. We're talking about Black and Queer things when it comes to popular media. Come see us. Um, I'll post the information online. And, you know, it's going to be fun. Um, and I will be signing books. I've been asked to sign books. I'll be doing your book signing, you're doing panels right before Marvel is your lead in on your panel. I'm in, you're in the Writers Guild. Like, okay. <laughs> Fantastic, like, whatever. All in a day's work. Right, just casual, whatever. Right. <laughs> I, no, I, I'm, to be honest, I'm always trying to be very, very humble because it, to me, this is, this is, I think, I feel like I'm in LA, so many people are in the same boat. So I'm always trying to be like, just be humble about it, just trying to be, you know, everything so if I, i'm not doubting it i just keep it that low because it's I, at the end of the day i still have to produce things i still have to get things out there i still have to do all the work so that's why I, yeah and but we don't disagree with you like one yay we love that you're humble about this but two la people are trash because like there's it's a good <laughs> chunk of them they are there's a good chunk of them that are saying that they are doing these things, but they're actually not doing these things and the other chunk are doing these things and they have this like self-flagellation that they're blowing their head up bigger than what it is. I think you're neither in, in neither of those boats. I think you are actually doing the work that you were saying that you're doing. And then on top of that, you are staying humble about it. But you should have some flex and room, at least amongst friends, to hype your, you know, hype yourself up. Like really be proud. Like take that breather and embody and be proud of the work that you're doing. Because not everybody has that opportunity. True, right. and I do every once in a while. I'll be like, oh look, oh look at. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll have that moment, but at the same time, I'm always trying to be like, okay, let's, let's just keep doing the work. We still got to have something mm -hmm. to show. We got to make sure our receipts are clear, uh, because yeah, it's always there. You're right. There's a lot of posers in LA. LA is a special place. <laughs> and I, the one time I met you out there, and like when we had the when I did the panel, and yeah. I 
talking to people felt like I was on a job interview and I was like, I'm not getting, I'm not even getting a job out of this. Like, this is terrible. Yeah. Like it, it's very transactional and I'm not a transactional person in any way, shape or form. Like if I like you, I like you. I don't care what you can give me. Yeah. Um, and so, so people ask me, are you going to BT experience? Are you doing this, that, and the third? I'm like, hi, I'm Joy. I just got here. I don't live here. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's very transactional. I mean, maybe one day we'll, one day we'll talk about that, how LA is that way. But it is, because everybody, I know, I know when I have um, been in a meeting or whatever, it's interesting to see how people are like, oh, so this is you know, this person or whatever. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Let me just understand what we're doing and understand what this process is. You know, I don't, I can't give you this, I can't get you that and everything else. But it is, it is very interesting to see, you know, being from a small town where, you know, you just talk to people to talk to hear where everything has an attention to it. It is very interesting. Sometimes a little sad, but you know, it is LA. Yep, that's true. I know, personally for me, I'm not doing anything big like that, but I am going to start here the next week or so doing some curated playlists. So be on the lookout for that. Um, they'll be available on iTunes and Spotify, so. I'm all about it. Listen, hot girl summer, hot gay summer, whatever summer that you were trying to have. <laughs> give, give me a playlist for it. I'm here for it. Yes. And y'all know I love my music. Yes. So if that's nothing left to be said, let's get a bell out of here and we will catch y'all next time. <laughs> <laughs>